Alrighty, well, let's uh, welcome everybody to uh, Dojo Universe here for, uh, I think, something along the lines of the 68th episode, something like that. Not a whole lot going on this week, kind of a slow news week, but uh, we do have a couple things that we're going to talk about and um, so on and so forth. Today is, of course, 9-11. Uh, I don't know how many years ago it was at this point, 12 years maybe? Do you know, Carl? But uh, anyway, maybe Carl's not really paying attention. Yeah, 12 years. So this is the this is the day, and of course, you know, bagpipers had a small part to play in uh, what you might call the uh, healing process. And so it's always it's always kind of um, you know, I think it's kind of cool in a way that that we could participate. I mean, I, I don't think. All too many clarinetists, you know, were involved relative to the number of pipers. So, uh, it, you know, I think bagpipes have that special, that special uh, healing power. You know, the sound of sound of the pipe. So, um, so that's pretty cool. Carl, are you out there or not? What's going on? Yes, postman just came. Sorry. So uh, I am here. Um, I actually don't know. I actually don't know when the postman comes anymore because I moved my office. Yes, Andrew uh, moved into the back room, so I'm actually staring at him through a wall. But um, there you yeah, go. Carl's <laughs> right. Carl's right there. Uh, but uh, hey, we got a couple cool things on sale today, and um, maybe perhaps in the future, um, a couple new products here, like the Our Journey. Um, have you heard anything about this, Andrew? Well, I certainly know about it. Let's um, let's see here. Why don't you share your screen, Carl, and show us some of these products? All right, let me work on that. <laughs> new challenge. A new challenge for Carl. Share my screen. All right. Yeah. I'm pretty pumped about this product. I think it's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, um, we, we've got some on order. They're coming shortly. But uh, today's daily deal is, is on Our Journey, um, which is a really cool book um, that launched, I think, in August this year. Uh, and it, it's both um, text and lots of great pictures about, um, about some of the top pipers in the world both um, bandsmen, gold medalists, clasp and glenfiddich winners, um, tenor drummers, snare drummers, bass drummers, drum majors, everything really here. Um, and it, it's really more or less a, um, a, a, a coffee table sort of thing um, where it's, it's really fantastic photography, um, done real well. It's, it's a hardcover book. Um, and, and we're really excited about it. It's a neat thing. So um, that's uh, that's what's on today is, is our journey. Um, and then we have a couple other new products that I'll just mention. Um, one is um, Fred Morrison's Outlands. It's not the CD, it's the book, um, with ha which has a lot of his um, music that was on the album. So... Um, that is also one of our newer things, and uh, we're excited to see that. That's also on its way. So it's a music book? 
It is a music book. Wow. Uh, it's a, it's his new collection of, of tunes, um, most recent one. So that just came out uh, about maybe a month ago. Um, yeah, also kind of in August. So that's that's neat and on its way. And lastly, um, we have the new Adrian Melvin Reeds. Andrew, you've you've uh, kind of tested these a little bit. What were your thoughts? I have. Do these do his reeds have blue winding? They they do suspiciously. Yes. That's kind of odd. <laughs> Mainly because uh, you know it's it's weird he would pick that color. The Lee Reed having coming out having come out so recently, um, and that was sort of the iconic thing about the Lee. But but anyway, yeah, I tried a few of these. They're really good. Um, as you can see by how they look, they're very similar to the Ross Reed, which is sort of no longer uh, overly available that I know of and very similar to the Warnock as well. It's got that classic ridge cut sort of sound to it, lots of crackle. And um, yeah, we highly recommend that folks check those out. Um, yeah, his, his tagline is, is precision sound uh, from any channer. So um, it, it's, it's a neat read. We're, we're kind of, we like it. Definitely. So, uh, so yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, I'm excited about all those products. I think the um, what you're saying is the daily deal today is the um, the hour journey. Yes. Yeah, the the hour journey book, and it's it's sort of um, have you? I mean, I haven't looked through it yet. It's sort of about the world pipe band championships, right? For the most part. Yeah, but it's also about uh, the stories of. Um, the, these people and and how they became great and and uh, kind of who they are. So neat. It's uh, cool. it's neat. Yeah, we look forward to thumbing through it when it arrives. So you can reserve your copy today and 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 save a little money on it. Yeah. The other exciting development that I'll share a little bit with you guys while we're at it here is that um, we have uh, you know we're getting ready for our launch of. Um, Dojo University Drumming. Um, and you can see our new drum.dojouniversity.com is up and running here. Um, and you guys are welcome to go to the site and check it out. Um, and basically, as you can see, it's really closely related to the piping side, uh, but we're going to have bass, tenor, and snare drum lessons, um, you know, a site devoted to um, uh, to the drumming side of things, uh, and it, it operates very much uh, the same as the other ones. We've got an all-new tutor that's going to be released uh, with the release of the website for snare, tenor, and bass drum. Um, and there's also the appropriate music theory stuff that you need uh, to be mixed in. So all of this stuff is happening uh, on the site, and, and that's going to go live uh, October 1st, and actually it's going to open maybe a week or so before that for people to get their memberships. Um, but uh, how many people know some drummers that maybe could use a resource like this? Um, we'd sure appreciate any help you could offer in uh, directing them to us. Cause, um, and then the exciting thing is that uh, you know we're going to be able to offer the full package, which is something we've wanted to do for a long time. Um, and so yeah, the drumming side of things is we're pretty stoked about it. So as a piper, Andrew, am I going to be able to learn cool things like music theory? 
on this site? As or is it going to be like totally out of my my element? Well, I mean, as a piper, I mean, you could definitely learn drumming on this site. Um, the, I'm not sure I understand your question. No, I'm just looking at your music theory tutor stuff here, like the staff and measures and key signatures. That's pretty much universal, hopefully. Yeah, it is pretty <laughs> much universal. I think I think it's going to be geared mostly toward this particular stuff is geared mostly towards drummers. But um, but one of the things that we've definitely realized in um, Michael Eagle and, and uh, Ian Gibson making their tutor is there's definitely going to be some cool materials that can cross pollinate. For example, I'm going to be doing a few of the classes uh, in this tutor um, in regards to what drummers need to know about piping. Um, and we're going to go vice versa. And we're also, um, yeah, we're also shortly going to have a drumming for pipers class on the piping side of things. So uh, for those who aren't 100% familiar, here is the uh, here is the piping side of the site here, uh, which we've of course been doing for uh, well over a year at this point. And the drumming side is, you know, a uh, sort of direct. It's almost you could almost call it a a clone. Almost it's going to be like a sister site. All the navigation is going to be the same way and. And uh, so we're we're looking forward to it. And I think there was also rumors if if I was a piper and or drummer and wanted to get both sites, there's going to be some um, some help there, right? Yeah, exactly. There's going to be a significant discount for Dojo U drumming uh, for those who are members of the piping side. I think I think so. Um, it's not one of my. Um, you know, it's not. We have to get the site launched, but then that's something we definitely plan to uh, to build in. Um, so it's going to be cool. it's going to be pretty cool. And the other thing too, which is exciting for me, is that um, you know we're now going to have an online learning suite uh, that directly pertains to Orin Moore and what we're doing in Orin Moore, which you know, um, which I think is pretty cool because just from our point of view, we want to teach people what we're doing and. And things that make us successful, and and now we have the big, we're, or at least we're starting to have the big picture, which uh, which I'm really excited about. So uh, yeah, direct uh, anyone you can to our site here, any drummers who might be interested, and we're going to get started with that on October 1st. And, and you uh, got to check out the promo video; it's really cool. So go to the site and, and check it out, even if you're a piper, because it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, so you guys can check that out. So we're pumped about that. I've been working. Uh, I've been working a lot on that site, getting things up and going, and um, and so on and so forth. So it's going to be pretty good. So uh, what else is up today? I think we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, practicing and how to practice well. Um, that's definitely something that we want to talk about. I'm just reading some of these comments now that I see them. Cool. Yeah. So a lot of people are uh, are hearing about it. Um, have have anyone you know sign up for our free classes and stuff because that's a great way for us to, you know, send folks a few emails and stay in touch with them as the opening date arrives. Um, you know, like we can we can follow up with people and um, so so they don't forget and so on and so forth and the ball doesn't get dropped. So that would be great along those lines. So uh, so yeah, we're talking about the art of practicing here uh, today. So. Carl, what can you tell us about the art of practicing? The art of practicing. 
Well, um, you just get your pipes out and play through all the material, right? Now, <laughs> um, that yeah, would not be. Uh, <laughs> that wouldn't be. I mean, it's useful in some circumstances, but that's not exactly practicing. Um, that's getting out, playing, and having fun, which is awesome. I love doing that. But um, practicing should be with the, the kind of focus and um, intent of, of really improving uh, a certain aspect. And I think that's important. It's not just improving as a whole, like I'm going to get my practice, my pipes out and I'm going to practice and I'm going to get better. Um, it, it's important to have a goal for each um, practice session. You know, what am I going to work on today? What tune? What part of the tune? What part of technique? I mean, and in some cases you can combine some of that, right? So I might want to work on my D throws in the third part of uh, Cameronian rant, right? Uh, are there D throws in that part? I can't remember. <laughs> but anyway, you can. Yeah, there's two throws all over that tune. Um, there's quite a there's quite a few um, D throws in the third part of the Cameronian rant. Right. So anyway, I mean, you can combine some things like that. Like that would be useful and still focused enough, but uh, you don't want to work on, uh, you know, all your technique in all your tunes. That's not going to be helpful. So. Uh, a kind of focused um, focused plan for your practice session. Uh, on, a, on a kind of related note, I read something really cool recently that when you're practicing, you should do other things to, to physically engage your body because it helps create um, new connections in your brain faster. So they suggest standing on one leg. Kind of a cool thing. Um, and I tried it with a couple of students recently. It seemed to help. It was, it was really kind of cool. So, you know, what's there's, interesting? there's a tip as well. One of the things that's really interesting to me, and we talked about this a little bit last week, and we definitely talked about this this morning in my class. Um, you're absolutely right about that, Carl. And you know one thing that a bagpiper can do when they practice uh, to physically engage their body that, that is really, really good to do? Mm, play your bagpipe instead of your chanter. Exactly right. <laughs> um, you're totally right about that. Someone was asking me earlier, we were working on South Hall. Who was it? Uh, Chris. Chris asked me earlier, uh, when, when should I switch over to the bagpipes? Like, at what point in my practicing am I ready to move on to the bagpipes? The answer to that question is, um, there's, is that right away, as soon as possible, immediately, we want to get it on the bagpipes. It's weird. We have, I think it's sort of built into us. It's a little bit cultural. And it's a little bit just kind of doing what we see other people doing. But uh, there's this mindset that all the practicing that you do has to be on the practice channel, and then you get to switch it over to the pipes. Um, but the bottom line is the more practice we can do on the full instrument, the better we're going to be as musicians. Uh, the less bored we're going to get, the more endurance we're going to build. There are a million reasons why practice sessions should happen on the bagpipes. Um, I can't remember the last time I had a practice session on my practice chanter, unless maybe we talk about when the band was working on, you know, uh, some unison playing one-on-one. -on -one. Some maybe we did that over the summer, um, but uh, I can't really remember it. All of my practicing happens on the bagpipes, and uh, unless you're just learning the very basics. Uh, unless you just learn the very basics, the bagpipes are the way to go. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, 
That's interesting. Just the way that you said that made me think. I can't remember either the last time that I sat down for a practice session and played the practice chanter. It just doesn't, you know, at this point it doesn't make sense. I think most good players are that way. I I think most good players practice on their pipes. But the ironic thing is we encourage our students to sit down with their practice chanter, which I think is weird. Now, your, your bagpipes might not sound great yet. You might be a beginner. Your bagpipes might not sound all that awesome, but there's only one way to fix that, and that's the practice, right? Right. Um, How else are you so, going to build the strength and stamina? Yeah, and so I think that would be one of my big tips I would throw out there in the world today is um, practice on your pipes. It's one of the key things. I'm just uh, I'm just looking through some of these comments here if I seem distracted. Yeah, somebody mentioned that they were tapping their, their feet, and that distracted them a bit. Um, and I think the point was that you were trying to alternate a lot and, and concentrating on your feet. Um, and if that distracts you, try something else physical. Like I, like I suggested, the, the standing on one foot. Balancing is something that you're doing all the time anyway. You're just making it a little bit more challenging um, by lifting up a foot. Um, that hopefully wouldn't, uh, would kind of engage your mind in a different way and wouldn't distract you as much. Um, anyway. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there, Carl. I mean, um, I think the ultimate balancing act is trying to keep those pipes going. You know, it's like, um, you know, so that's the big thing is grab a music stand. Um, and then the other thing is if you're practicing with a metronome, grab some headphones and plug them into your metronome. Or, uh, we have another great product called the body beat metronome, which actually has a clip that attaches to the metronome that pulses, so you can actually feel the beat, um, and so you can clip that on your collar or on your belt or something, so you can feel the pulse of the metronome, uh, which will allow you to practice with a metronome on the pipes, and you could do everything on the pipes you could do on the chanter, although the ironic thing, or, or the interesting thing is, you're going to be, you know, you're going to struggle to keep that endurance. Yeah, we were speculating, and we haven't managed to do it yet, is what kind of, um, how does playing the pipes affect your heart rate? Um, we we got to get a, get a heart rate monitor in and check that out, but uh, it's kind of interesting as well. Interesting yeah. aspect of it. Practice chanters in the car. Um, yes, I think when you're, when you're commuting and you're playing a practice chanter in the car, that's probably easier than playing the pipes. Playing the pipes might not be in the cars. It's not to say that you can't get good stuff done on the chanter. It's that, um, it's that I think you can get a lot more practice done on the pipes, you know, because you, you're sort of forced to be focused when you're on the pipes, too, because you're using all that energy to keep them going, and you, you're wanting things to sound good, and you're making a ton of noise, um, and so you, uh, you're focused in and making it happen. So, Yeah, John put on a heart rate monitor a month ago, in an hour and 15 minutes, he burned over 1,000 calories. I think that's about right, John, um, because if you, were to walk at a, if you were to walk at a fast pace for an hour and 15 minutes, you would probably burn a similar amount. Like for me, John, um, playing the pipes, it's not excruciatingly, um, what's the word, like anaerobic exercise, like my, my heart's not going super fast. But I think it is, and, and again, I want to test it. I think it is slightly elevated heart rate, 
and obviously there are muscles involved that you you know and you have to expend that energy um, and so uh, yeah, I think that's interesting. John, did you did you um, have a chance to observe your heart rate at all when when you were playing? Like, does your heart rate go up at any point or anything? John gets up to about 120 and it stays there. And John, if you don't mind, what's your max heart rate? Do you know that? Because, uh, you know, um, the, it, it has to do with where your heart rate would level off relative to your max. Yeah. See, my max heart rate is 185, I think. And uh, Carl and I, were, we were kind of goofing around the other day. How do I calculate max heart rate? This is what we were talking about on our bike ride the other day yeah. <laughs> as we were approaching our upper limits of our heart rates, <laughs> pedaling up a hill. But... <laughs> Yeah, how to calculate, blah, blah, blah. See, now I'm interested, so uh, maximum heart rate. Subtract your age from 220, and that's a pretty rough, that's a pretty rough, um, that's a pretty rough max heart rate calculator. Yeah, a 40-year-old should be about 180. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, so my max is probably closer to 194 or something like that. So that's what that site says. I can't remember. I read something that gave me a more accurate reading of what it was. All right, let's move on. <laughs> Carl's ready to move on. Well, see, my question is this, and, and uh, you know, while we're on this tangent, my question is this. So, um, so when you exercise, right, um, if you reach your max heart rate, there's only so long you can function in that sort of red zone, right, where you're pushing your max heart rate. And I know this being a fat guy that tries to ride a bike. Uh, I, I know this because, you know, once my heart rate gets up past 180 or so, I really can only last maybe 30 to 60 seconds. 60 seconds would be the absolute most I could last before I literally have to stop or I would probably come close to passing out. So my question is, uh, how does the heart rate, how is the heart rate affected when you play your pipes? Um, you know, uh, what, you know, do you approach or reach your max heart rate when you're playing? Um, and, and if so, right, what, is, what happens to your body as, as your heart rate starts to climb, right? The higher the heart rate starts to climb, the more the adrenaline starts to crank. And then as we know, adrenaline has a big impact on our sense of timing and our sense of time when we play a musical instrument. The, the more adrenaline, right, our, our perception of time slows down, causing our actual playing to speed up. We've, sort of, we've talked about that a little bit in the past. And so um, is there something to that? Is there something to um, controlling the heart rate when you're playing? Uh, that's my sort of geeky question that I was posing to Carl. So... Uh, So yeah, and it's like I wonder, um, I wonder if different players have different heart rate issues. And beginners, of course, because they don't have the coordination that they need yet, right? A beginner would likely have a much higher heart rate, which makes playing difficult to control. 
So anyway, I digress. So yeah, back to back to practicing wisely. So the biggest thing with practicing, just like any other thing, for me, the biggest thing with practicing is to develop a plan um, for improvement and to actually stick with that plan. Okay, so I think too much of the time we go into a practice session without much of a plan, and what do we end up doing? We end up doing what Carl was saying, which is we just sort of play through our stuff and hope for the best. Uh, and, and we can only get very small uh, amounts of practicing done in that scenario. Um, how many people out there feel that way? That they don't really have a good practice plan and so they just kind of wing it when they get the pipes out and hope for the best. You're right, Patrick. John Bottomley's class did have a bunch of really good stuff in regards to practicing. Yeah, exactly. So, so what sort of things can we do uh, to develop a plan? And what I'll do is, um, my hope was anyway, let me bring up some notes. And uh, we, we can sort of go through some of this stuff. Yeah, John says, I now always have a plan because otherwise you waste time and you're totally right about that. Um, there are two types of plan, plans, I think. There's a plan where you have a specific amount of time where you can practice, and then there's the plan where you don't really care. You're like maybe I'll go for an hour, maybe I'll go for longer depending on how I feel. Um, Yeah, Deb says she's a homeless piper and practicing on her own is a bit of a challenge since she doesn't have a band to work with. I think that's where goal setting comes in, Deb. So, so the good thing about playing in a band is that bands usually have preset goals that everyone in the band works towards. And um, so as a soloist, you need to develop some goals of some kind. Yeah, I just got a private message from someone here who says, the more competent you are, the lower your heart rate will be. I think that's partially true. Um, yeah, I mean, competency is big. And then I, I think that um, it also has to do with the strength of the read and the degree to which your bagpipe is optimized as well. Yeah, so Bruce says a good goal, back to goals, a good goal could be memorizing a tune. Yeah, that's a great goal to start with. Um, or another goal is, you know, um, in a couple months, I want to put my name out to go play some gigs. Like I'll go start talking it up and, and get stuff ready for some gigs. It could be a good goal for a soloist. Another goal that I, that I really like to do is I'm going to make a recording and I'm going to send it to a few of my, you know, favorite bagpipe teachers uh, or colleagues or whatever. You know, it could even just be colleagues or, or buddies. So, you know, by the end of the week, I'm going to make a recording of a tune and I'm going to send it out. That's a good, uh, that's a good goal. Um, solo competing is great for goal setting. I'm going to go out, play the solos, um, and uh, I want it to go well. Or I'm going to learn some new tunes. Those are all really good goals. Um, let's, talk about, uh, let's talk about some interesting practice plans. All right, so um, the old faithful practice uh, Good practice plans. That's what uh, we're going to talk about here. 
let's talk about good practice plans. I think that, um, you know, the old faithful is um, what, what you call the, you know, uh, the pick three plan. All right, here's the pick three plan or, or the pick three plan, or you might call it a cycle. All right, so here's a good practice plan. Here's an example of what I might do in order to get the most out of my practice session. Okay, and, and in order to actually improve my playing rather than just kind of winging it and hoping I get a little bit better throughout the course of an hour. Yep, and G Gary says, 15 minutes of focus practice is infinitely better than just blowing the pipes. Yeah, so, and I, I definitely agree with you. Let's say we have half an hour, okay? Or maybe we have 45 minutes. Let's split the difference, let's call it 45 minutes. How do I spend uh, to maximize my improvement? You know, how do I spend this time? Now, uh, what some people would do, what I used to do when I was a kid, is I used to just play for 45 minutes. Okay, uh, great. I didn't really have any goals. I didn't really have any ideas. And so, um, you know, that was, you know, that was the thing. So here, here's the deal. I want to reserve 10, 10 minutes at the end. Let's call it like, I don't know. Let's call it five minutes at the end will be a jam. Okay? So five minutes at the very end of that session is going to be a jam where basically that's when I'm going to take my material and just play through it and have some fun. Okay? Now, uh, 45 minutes of practice. Now, we have 40 minutes left if we, if we want five minutes to jam out at the end. Uh, Joel says, you mean playing whatever you want. And uh, yes, generally that's what I mean, playing whatever you want or playing whatever you're, you want to work on. So sometimes it would be an MSR, sometimes it would be a medley in the band or some jigs or something like that, or it might be a combination of those things. All right, so I have 40 minutes left, and here's what I'm going to do with that 40 minutes. I'm going to spend, what do we decide, Carl? I think we're, I'm going to spend 50% of my time uh, will be spent working on what I'm the worst at. Okay, and that's sort of a broad thing. We'll get back to that in a, in a minute. Um, then we're going to go to, um, let's say, 35% of my time. It doesn't, the percentages don't really matter. On what I'm the second worst at. Joel says, many of my embellishments would be the first 50%. So that's great. It's great that you have an idea of that. And lastly, 15% of my time will be spent working on what I'm the third worst at. And, and of course, this is kind of vague right now, but we'll talk about it in a second. So here's 45 minutes. So um, if I had 40 minutes left, so 20 minutes is what we're going to, that'll be 50%. Uh, let's see, what would 35% be? I don't really know. Let's just, for my sake, let's say, you know, 12 minutes. And then lastly, this 15% might be something like 8 minutes. Harold says, don't work on too many tunes at a time. Well, we'll talk about that in a second, Harold. 
for sure. So, so good. So we can see this adds up to 45 minutes, 20 minutes, 12 minutes, eight minutes, and then five minutes at the end to jam out. And what I'm, what I'm going to do with this practice session is I'm going to spend 50% of my time working on what I'm the worst at or what, what needs the most development. Okay. Worst at, you know, maybe is a little bit negative, but what is it that needs the most development? So go ahead and think about your own playing. Like for me, I'm going to focus on spots in my tunes that have, you know, like I'm going to focus on spots that have difficult technical passages that I need to develop and I need to, I need to work on getting those to come out smoothly, right? So uh, it might be part of a P-Brock. Um, it might be part of a Strass Bay that has a lot of stuff in it that I'm screwing up on a regular basis where I'm missing a lot of doublings. You know, that might be something I would spend my first half on. Ian says, don't say worst at, say area of greatest opportunity. Well, that depends, Ian. I try to, uh, I get enough political correctness in my life, so I like to just come out and say it. You know, the spots that, I'm, that I stink the most at, that's what I'm going to work at. Um, what did David say? Someone said, with you on that one, David. Ah, yes, Krenlowitz, gotcha. Yeah, Krenlowitz are a good one. And, and you just got to pick, um, you just got to pick the thing that needs the most improvement. Sometimes it's just memorization, right? So I keep having memory errors in such and such of a tune. Then I'm going to spend 20 minutes playing through that tune and finding those memory spots and trying to work on them, uh, work on getting my focus in there so I can remember it better. Okay, Jeff says, He's been taught to work through some basic well-known tunes to warm up. Um, I think that's good. Um, in, in, my, in my experience, though, um, I, don't, I, I don't do that. For me, it, it kills too much time to warm up the pipes. I'm going to warm up my pipes while I'm working on what I'm the worst at, uh, you know, because I play the worst right when I get my pipes out. So I don't want to, you know, I don't want to try to, I don't want to try to warm up with familiar, good-sounding tunes when I first warm up. I want to get right to the nitty-gritty. You know, things are going to, by its very nature, on this particular practice regime, uh, things are going to sound a little bit rough for the first 20 minutes. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely something to be said as well for actually physically warming up your hands. Um, but, you know, I sort of agree with you, Andrew, there in that um, it's my my technique, if I'm working on a piece of technique or something, that's going to be the worst um, right out of the box as my fingers are kind of cold. And, you know, what happens when you play and it's really cold outside? Your fingers are going to be a little bit stiff, but you still want to have, uh, you know, good technique. And you have to learn to try to do that uh, when your fingers aren't quite warmed up or cooperating. So, yeah, you know, there's benefits to both, I see. I mean, certainly for performance, you want to warm your fingers up if you can. The other thing, too, is this is just one of many possible practice plans. I would argue that as long as you have a plan and as long as you think that plan is going to help you improve, then, uh, then you're golden. It doesn't have to be the same as this plan. Right? There, are there are millions of different plans, and, and all good pipers have their own plan. Um, now, uh, so then anyway, for the next section, I'm, for 12 minutes, I'm going to spend time working on the second, what I need the second most work on. So it's like, you know, it's like, man, my, my burls have been a little bit sticky lately, so I'm going to work on my burls for a little while. And then, um, and then for the last section, I'm going to work on what I'm the third worst at. 
And if I'm playing a P-Brock with lots of D, Terralis, and Kronmelis in it, I need to practice those to get those to come out right. And how you practice them will, of course, require uh, another mini plan, a little mini plan as to how you address these issues. Okay? But, uh, and then at the very end, I'm going to reward myself by playing some of these tunes all the way through, uh, just to sort of um, get that run through and to enjoy myself, and, and uh, maybe I'll record it and see where I am. Now, what I really like about this practice plan, which is one of many, right? This is not the only way to practice. As a matter of fact, I'm going to talk about another really awesome way to practice next. Um, but what's really cool about this plan is we, we have a graduated plan here. We're going to spend the most time on what we're the worst at, second most time on what we're the second worst at, and the third uh, you know, most time on what we're the third worst at. Now, what happens over time, theoretically, uh, if we spend the most time working on what we're the worst at? What starts to happen over time? Ooh, ooh, you're going to get better. That's right. And you're going to get better at what you're the worst at. So the interesting thing is, um, you know, after a week or so of really focusing on what you're the worst at, theoretically, let's say after a week, or if you're really bad at it, maybe it takes 10 days, but what you're going to find is, wait a second, this is no longer the worst part of my playing. Or maybe it takes a month. It doesn't really matter. But after a while, you're going to find this is no longer the worst aspect of my playing. So the next time you do this practice cycle or this practice plan, that actually moves down the totem pole. Maybe it's the second worst thing. And, and then what you used to be second worst at now replaces it. And so now you're focusing the most time on that element. And then over time, right, things keep on working their way down, down and down the list until when you get to the point where I'm at, where the things that I'm the worst at are actually not that bad. And they're actually quite good. I just need to work on making them perfect, right? So we work on you know, making, you know, trying to approach perfection. So over time, when we work on this, we cycle through and it actually makes us better. We're not just playing our pipes and hoping someday we'll be better. We're actually systematizing the process of making ourselves better. Okay, and that's what I really, that's, that's the old, that's the old faithful. That's the pick three plan, right? And what I would do is I would actually take a piece of paper and I would write out, okay, uh, in the next hour, you know, let's spend 10 minutes jamming out at the end, but then that gives me 50 minutes of, of time to run my practice session. So 25 minutes of what I'm the worst at, you know, uh, I don't know, 15 minutes of what I'm the second worst at, and 10 minutes of what I'm the third worst at. Um, and then I can do that several times a week, and things can start to improve. So that's, that's the pick three cycle. By the way, if you have two hours to practice, you could either add in more cycles or you could do longer periods of time. Uh, let's see some of these comments in the chat box here. Finite amount of time to warm up. See, I, I'm not a believer in the warm up. I'm a believer of the let's get stuff going right away and warm up at the same time. And that's just a personal opinion. Like, I skipped the warm-up, you know? Like, let's just get into it. Uh, let's just get right into it. That's my thing. My day is too short for a warm-up. And it's not, it's, not like, um, it's not like riding a bike or swimming or running, where if you don't warm up, you can injure yourself. Um, you're never going to injure your hands by starting without warming up. 
or if you do, you're probably gripping the chanter too hot. <laughs> so uh, we don't have to worry about health risks or anything. Um, now we do we do have to get our body and our brain kind of warmed up and into the game, but we can do that while we practice. We really can, I think. You know, and uh, I think the warm up is overrated, and it's so easy for the warm up to just kind of become a long jam session, and you never really get down to business. That's been my experience. Okay, let's talk about the next. Um, Here's the next big one, and we've been working on this a lot at Dojo U. Um, Hang on, Joe's got a it, good one here. Um, what's that? It says you only have five to ten minutes to practice at a time. Um, that's no problem. Just leave your pipes together, and that way you can pick up the pipes and play for ten minutes. Um, if you put them, if you take them totally apart in the case, um, it'll it'll take you five minutes to get them out, and then you're out of time. So leave them together. Maybe prop the channer out. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, that is a good one. Um, and the, the other thing, if you only have 10 minutes at a time, um, then, you know, I would pick one topic at a time, you know, I think. I think, you know, uh, or you could pick two topics. So, so I'm going to spend six minutes on what I'm the worst at and four minutes on what I'm the second worst at. Go. And then you, you have a really short period of time, and then you got to go do something else. And then maybe you do that again. And then maybe towards the end of the day, if you get another 10 minutes, you can just have a little jam out towards the end of the day. Oh, yeah, and... And to be honest, Carl can vouch for this. Um, I actually, I kind of do that when I'm getting into playing mode. Um, I'll have lots of little spurts throughout the day, just because it's so hard to find an hour these days, isn't it? It really is. All right. So um, here's the next practice session, which um, I, I've been really, really getting into, and uh, I've been working on it with our students, and we've been talking about it at Dojo U. And it's called the Build a Tune Cycle. Okay, and what we're actually going to do during this practice session is we're going to build a tune. Now, um, you could do this to learn a tune, but you can also do this to practice a tune. Okay, now for most of us, not all of us, but for most of us, we might be competing solos at the grade four or three level, and then a select few of us transcend into grade two and beyond, where we have more material. But uh, for the vast majority of the time, grades four and three uh, we have just a few tunes that we have to really master. Okay, now playing all the way through the tune is not going to be, uh, you know, an, an important thing is going to be not to just play this whole tune all the way through. We have to work on these individual elements and we have to improve them. Um, you know, if we just played all the way through, we're not going to get that nitty-gritty detail that we need. So this, this um, type of cycle, this addresses... The issue of actually improving um, nitty-gritty elements of a tune, right? So I remember when I was in grade three. Now, luckily, I was, I was very talented. I picked things up really easily, and I loved to play. And so it just sort of happened organically for me, um, luckily. But what I would do is I was in grade three, and I'd play my solo stuff, and I'd say, well, that sounded pretty good. Then I'd play it again. Like, oh, that sounded pretty good. And that was it. Uh, luckily, you know, I, I had the ability and that sort of natural, um, that natural ear to just sort of gradually improve over time. But let's face it, realistically, that's not really the way um, it should be. So uh, what we want to do is we want to get inside the tune and we want to actually work to develop it. Okay? And so what we're actually going to do is we're going to start, um, we're going to start at the mo mo uh, molecular level. Okay, 
we'll call it the mini level. And we're going to build outwards to uh, the macro level or to the, you know, to the larger levels. Okay. Uh, Bruce starts with the last part of a tune and then moves backwards, which, by the way, um, is, a great, um, is a great way to uh, do a variation on the build a tune cycle. And we can talk about that in a second. But how we're going to build a tune. So here's the deal. Ready? Here goes nothing. Um, don't forget to scroll down here a little bit on the screen so you don't miss my typing here. We're going to start by, here, here, here's how it works. We're going to uh, pick a piece. So we're going to start with bar one. Um, uh, we're going to play bar one on repeat. Okay. Um, and if you watch some Dojo U classes, you'll see some tips on how to make this go better for you. Okay. And once we've learned bar one on repeat, we're going to play bar two on repeat. Okay. Now, uh, for those of you who know, what's the next step? Is the next step of this to play bar three? Or is there more to it than that? Should we just continue to play each bar one at a time? What's the trick? Surely I think there must be a couple people here from classes earlier. Doug said, I'd put one and two together. Uh, Doug, why do you say that? Good, to learn the flow of the tune. And then you have a phrase. And the other thing is, I, I forget stuff. I have a very short-term memory, especially when it comes to learning a whole bunch of bagpipe notes. It's so complex and there's so much going on. So if I don't continuously revisit where I came from, if I, went, if I did bar one, bar two, bar three, bar four, right? By the time I get to bar four, if I tried to go back to bar one, I would have already forgotten how it went. Okay, so, um, so we're going to take these two little pieces and we're going to make a slightly bigger piece called a phrase. And then we're going to play that phrase on repeat. Okay, now we're going to repeat the process for phrase two. Okay, <clears throat> that's the next section. So we're going to do all this stuff. So we're going to play bar three on repeat for a while. Bar four on repeat for a while. Then we're going to put those together and we're going to make phrase two. Then we're going to combine phrases one and two to form a, what do we form when we put together two phrases? We form a line. So then we're going to combine phrases one and two to form a line. And then we're going to play that line on repeat for a while. Okay. Now, watch how this sort of balloons out, okay? So now, we're going to repeat the process for line two. Then we're going to combine lines one and two to form a part. Then we're going to play that part on repeat. Then we're going to repeat the process 
for part two. Then we're going to combine parts one and two to form a tune or a half tune if it's a four-parted tune. Okay, and then lastly, we're going to repeat the process for uh, the second half of the tune. Then we're going to combine halves one and two to form a full tune. Then we're going to play that on repeat. Right? Can everybody see how we just ballooned outwards? We have a very specific plan here. Uh, we ballooned outwards to learn this tune or to improve the tune, right? So we can use this to learn a tune from scratch, but we can also use it to um, to improve the tune. And then Joel, you're completely correct. And it's also a perfect plan for memorization. Now, does this take a little while? Yeah, it takes a little while, right? Chances are you're not going to get to a full tune without less than an hour's worth of practice. But it's going to be the best hour you ever practiced. And arguably will become one of the best tunes that you've learned. Oh, for sure. It'll, it will, by its very nature, right? It'll become the best tune you've learned because uh, you're, you're adding in the experience from all the other stuff that you already know. Sometimes it's useful to identify the repeating parts, too. You need to memorize half the tune. To... Right, exactly. And then, Doug, you're completely correct. And, and that's, a, you know, those are shortcuts, and we address all those in the classes that we've been teaching. Let me just give you a little example, um, you know, a little preview of what we were doing earlier. So uh, let me just put that away. Let me just bring a good old, we've been learning South Hall this week at Dojo U. Let me just bring that up real quick, if I may. Hopefully this works. Cool. So here's South Hall. Now watch. Um, I already know South Hall, but I can work on this. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to work on bar one for a little while and make sure everything sounds good. Okay, so it might go something like this. Now I'll switch to the second bar. Now, if I want, if I was working on my pulsing, I would make sure all the things are lined up the way I want. Now I'm going to put them together. That sounds, this is of course highly abbreviated, <laughs> highly abbreviated practice technique. So then I would do the second bar or the second um, phrase. I'm going to, I'm going to build it starting bar by bar.
and then now the full phrase. Now I can put the line together. And then again. And then so on and so forth. And of course, you know, um, I wasn't really focusing on the exact things I needed to improve on. Some parts will go fast and then other parts won't because you'll find that you need a lot of work on them. Um, but anyway, going back to here, um, going back to the building of the tune, right? This is a great practice technique um, and I can do it on my pipes. Um, I can hook up a metronome and it's really easy to just get into a rhythm and a flow uh, where you're working on that stuff. And it's a great way to learn, improve, and to memorize tunes. So that, uh, you know, so those are two really good pr uh, practice plans and techniques. And a lot of times we have to work on, you know, maximizing what we do in a certain amount of time. And uh, other times uh, we have longer periods of time and we just need to exercise the plan. Just need to go through it. There you go. And, and so you can invent your own practice plans as well. All right. Are there any questions before we wrap up today's Dojo Universe podcast for today? Um, hopefully pretty soon we're going to um, you know, get some drumming topics going on in here too, which will be fun. Yes, we have to run also. So uh, I guess we'll see you guys later on if there aren't any more questions. You're welcome, everybody. We'll see you later.